welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. So we are in the, this is the last week of our series called Grow. And we're talking about how we grow deeper in our relationship with God, how we grow deeper in our relationship with others, and what that looks like. The first week Jen talked about, who remembers what Jen talked about the first week? Trees, yeah. The cedars of Lebanon, and she had palm trees, and she had cedar trees. And it was, her main point was talking about how you need to be planted in the house of God so that your roots can grow deep into the ground and that you can have a strong foundation, right? And then the next week we had the five-by-five, where we had five people in our leadership school up here sharing about how they had been growing in their life and their season, where they had seen God moving in them. And sharing that with you because it's good to hear other people talking about what God's doing in their life, right? Revelation says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. Then I spoke the following week and I talked about the touching the hem of Jesus. And I kind of changed up that service because we had all these ladies that wanted prayer. And they came specifically to church that day. And it was honestly, it was a fantastic Sunday. It was amazing. You see all these ladies come forward asking Jesus to meet them in their life, where they're at, dealing with their issues. It was fantastic. And then last week we had Pastor Adrian sharing, and she was talking about the importance of prayer in your life. How if you're going to grow in your spiritual walk, you've got to pray. Look at your neighbor and say, I got to pray. Look at your other neighbor, say, I got to pray. And then look at me and say, I've got to pray just to make it today. You just quoted MC Hammer. Uh. (laughs) Super spiritual. But it is true. MC Hammer can speak the truth, can't he? And so she talked about there was two kinds of prayer that you could do. There was a spiritual prayer and there was praying the word, right? So you can grab a Bible and you can pray the word of God and say, God, this is what I am. This is what your word says and I'm going to pray your word in this situation. And then she talked about when there's times when you don't know what to pray. You don't know what to say. And so you begin to pray in the spirit in what we call our heavenly prayer language. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that God who knows what your heart is saying can understand your spirit is talking to his spirit and you are praying the Bible says the perfect will of God. So when you find yourself in a place and you just say, I don't have the words and I don't know how to pray for this situation accurately, the Bible says that you can pray in the spirit and you are praying the perfect will of God. Isn't that good to know? Because I'll tell you what, there's lots of times when I just don't have the words and I got to pray in the spirit so that I can get my spirit lined up with his spirit. Today we're going to talk about the Bible. Mm. Who has a Bible? I think that was Cameron making a noise. He has a Bible. It's very exciting. When, um, when I was in kids' church growing up, oh, man, wasn't there a song about the Bible? Like Jen sang, like, the B-I-B-L-E. It's not the back. Oh, no, you said read your Bible, pray every day. But there's the other one. It's like, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B. Come on, everybody, one more time. <laughs> and you just sing it over and over and over again. But it's a great song because the Bible should be your foundation for life. 
So Pastor Adrian talked last week about how you can pray the Word of God. But here's the thing. If you don't know what the Word of God says, you can't pray it. And that's a bit of a problem. And I'll tell you this. Some of us Christians have done more damage to the body of Christ because we don't know what the Bible says than anybody else has done. We get out there and we start quoting scripture and it's all messed up and you're quoting it wrong. It's like, well, the Bible says this. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they are quoting to you what the Bible says and you have to say, I'm sorry. I love you, but the Bible does not say that. Well, I'll tell you what, like I've been in ministry for 20 years now, and I've had more than one conversation with somebody where, well, doesn't the Bible say this? No. I don't even know where you're getting that from. So let's look at five misunderstood Bible statements or Bible quotes just to get us started. Is that okay? Just to help you jog your memory, be like, oh, yeah, I have heard somebody say this. So number one, what does number one say? Oh, cleanliness is next to godliness. Who's heard this? Who has said this? Cameron has said Adrian has said this. (laughs) I think it's a good statement, but guess what? It ain't in the Bible. It comes from a Jewish custom book called the Talmud. It's good. It's great. (laughs) Adrian's like, I'll take it. (laughs) It's great. Those are good things. But it's not in the Bible. And it's important to know that it's not in the Bible. Because people will tell you, well, the Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. Nope. Not in there. Number two, who's heard this? Money is the root of evil. All evil. Who's heard that? Is that what the Bible says? Well, let's look at what the Bible says. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, a.k.a. greedy people, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. It's not money that's the root of evil. It's the love of money. But people like to say money's the root of all evil. Money's bad. No, it's the love of money. All right, let's look at number three here. To thine own self be true. Who's heard this before? Or or just the classic, just listen to your heart. What does your heart tell you to do? What is your heart saying right now? And even Roxette sang a great song in the early 90s. You were just singing it? Listen to your heart. I don't know the rest of the words. Bailey knows them all. She's going to sing them after the service. Yeah. Look, she said yes. She said yes. I saw her say she's nodding. Oh, you want to do it right now? Is that what you're saying? Okay, come on. Five minutes. You can have five minutes. Ten minutes you want, Bailey? Oh, my gosh. Okay. To thine own self be true. Well, that's actually Shakespeare. Sorry to burst your bubble. That's Shakespeare, not Jesus Christ or anybody else in the Bible. And just listen to your heart. Let's see what the Bible actually says about your heart. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 17, it says, or 17, 9, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Now, when you have Christ in your life and you're lining yourself to the word of God, your heart is not going to be wicked. But your, your heart, like the flesh part of your heart, 
Yeah, it's got its own mind. It wants to do what feels good. It wants to do what's easy. So I would tell you most times, most times, you shouldn't just follow your heart. You should follow what Jesus says. All right, let's look at number four here. God helps those who help themselves. God just loves it when you get down there and get dirty and get to work. And when you start working, Jesus shows up. Is that in the Bible? No. Are you sure it's not in the Bible? It ain't in the Bible anywhere. Okay, let's look at this last one. God will never give you more than you can handle. (laughs) If you think that's true, then you have not read the Bible. Because if you read through the word of God, you will find all kinds of people in situations beyond themselves. And God allows them to get there and sometimes even leads them there so that he and us and we have to trust on him. And I would tell you this, if there's things that you feel like you're supposed to do with your life and you can do them in your own strength and your own ability and your own power and you don't need anybody else's help, then it probably ain't God. Because God wants you trusting on him. So when people say this, it's okay, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's just not true. Because God is always wanting to stretch you and grow you. And that will require you to be in places where you are beyond yourself. Has anybody heard this before? Has anybody said this before? (laughs) I love how honest you are, Cam. So the importance of reading your Bible and having that foundation in your life cannot be uh, understated enough. You've got to have that foundation. You have to know what the Word of God says so that you know who you are and so that you know who He is. Right? So let's look at Luke chapter 4. I want to take you here for a second. This is Jesus. He's just come out of uh, the 40 days in the wilderness when he was... Uh, being tempted by the devil, right? And interestingly enough, at the beginning of the chapter, who led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted? The Holy Spirit, the Bible says. The Bible says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. And that sounds like to me, God taking you to a place beyond yourself where you need his strength, right? So he comes back. Verse 16, it says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. And then the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be set free and released, that the blind will, be, will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And at the time of the Lord's favor has come. Verse 20 says this. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. And all eyes in the synagogue looked at him attentively. Verse 21. Then he began to speak and he said, The scripture you have heard has been fulfilled this very day. This is like the ultimate mic drop moment. Picture in your mind. Jesus comes back from the wilderness And the Bible says that he goes into the synagogue in his hometown as usual, which means this is where Jesus was at when he was growing up. His normal custom, this is what he did. He went into the synagogue, he went into the temple, and he goes and they hand him a scroll. Not a Bible, because they didn't have Bibles back then. 
They didn't have these nice little books all put together with like little tabs telling you which book is where and what happened before this story took place. No, they had scrolls. And the Bible says that Jesus took the scroll and found the place where it was written and began to read. And he said, this is who I am. I have come here to do this. This is why I'm here. Right? Then he rolls up the scroll, sits down. And the Bible says that everybody is looking at him. And he says to them, the scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Meaning that Jesus knew that scripture was referring to him. How did Jesus know that Isaiah the prophet was talking about him all those years previously when he read it? How did Jesus know where to find in that scroll that scripture about him? I'll tell you how he knew. Because Jesus read and studied the scrolls. If you go back to Luke chapter 2, it's the last, the last little glimpse of Jesus we have. He's 12 years old when he went missing for three days, right? Little runaway Jesus. Huh? They lost God. No, Jesus ran away. He didn't actually run away. He just stayed. He just stayed at church. They all packed up and left. They got a whole day away before they realized Jesus was missing. Great parents. Time for dinner. Where's Jesus? Oh, my gosh, we left Jesus in Kansas. So they pack up. They head back to Jerusalem, spend another day trying to find Jesus. At the end of the third day, they find Jesus. And what is he doing? Sitting in church. Listening, the Bible says, and asking questions. And they said, what have you done to us? We've been looking for you for three days, man. And Jesus said, didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? Jesus was reading the word. And he was getting it inside of him. And he was letting it speak to him. Let's look at Psalm chapter 119, verse 11. It says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let me show you what this word hidden means. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And I'm going to say that word is sofan with my best Hebrew accent. And it means this, to hide by covering over, to hoard or reserve, or to protect. It gives the image of somebody digging a hole, putting something in there, covering it back over with the dirt so nobody can find it. Or hoarding it or storing stuff up. This is mine, this is mine, this is mine. I'm going to store it all up. I'm going to take all the stuff and I'm going to put it over here so nobody can get it. This is for me. So when he says, your word I have hidden, this is what he's talking about. This is the kind of hiding he's talking about. Digging a hole. Putting it deep down in there so nobody can come and steal what you've received. This is for me and me alone. I'm hiding this in my heart so that when life gets hard and when pressures come and sickness comes and all these things come to you, you've got something that you can go out to the backyard 
and dig it back out and be like, wait a second, I've got something hidden in my heart that I can dig up and I know what the truth is. That's what he's talking about. I've hidden your word in my heart. Let me show you what that word heart means. Let's go to the next slide. I don't even know how to pronounce that word. I'll let you pronounce it mentally in your brain. But it's used very widely for the feelings, the will, and even the intellect. It really means the center of anything. So another way of saying that is the core of your being. I have hidden your words in the core of who I am. At the very center of who I am. In my foundation. In my, in my very center of my being. What makes me who I am and what gives me the things that give me me. I have hidden your words deep down in there. So that when life's storms and troubles and trials and tribulations and worries and fears and all those things start coming and attacking me, I've got a place that I can go to where I have stored up things, where I've hung on to things, where I've hoarded them. I love that picture. Who loves like those hoarding TV shows? And they go into people's houses and you walk in there and the house is like stacked high, floor to ceiling with like magazines for some reason. I, I've got to keep these magazines. I can't throw those away that's that's wasteful and those people just hang on to stuff if you don't know what I'm talking about for some reason channels like TLC like to show those like to show those shows and you can go watch them all day long but these people hoard things what is hoarding it is storing up and never letting go and they have to come and have intervention to be like, you don't need this in your house. You don't need a newspaper from your city from 1932. You're not going to read it ever again. That news is old and gone. But let me tell you, God is wanting us to store up his word inside of us at the very core, at the very center of who you are. So that when life comes and starts kicking at you. You've got something deep down in there that you can draw from. And you can run away and go, I'm going to go dig this up because this is life to me. And look what I found right here. This circumstance is saying this to me. But this word that I've hidden in my heart, that I've dug deep down into the ground, and I've stored away, and I've hoarded, and I've treasured, that's what this thing says. Let me read this to you from the Passion Translation. I consider your prophecies to be my greatest treasure. And I memorize them and write them on my heart to keep me from committing sin's treason against you. Let's read it again. And let it get really down in your heart. Open your ears and let the Spirit talk to you. He says, I consider your prophecies... To be my greatest treasure. We've all got treasures in life. But here the psalmist is saying, your words are my greatest treasure. And I memorize them. And I write them on my heart. The very center of who I am. The thing that forms me and shapes me and makes me who I am. I write them there. To keep me from committing sin's treason against you. God is wanting 
I had, a, I had a teacher that used to say that the Bible stood for basic instructions before leaving earth. I was like, eh, that's corny. The Bible is more about revealing who God is and revealing who you are through him and in him and revealing his love for you and his love for others. In everything you will face, in every situation you'll have to walk through, every problem you've got to deal with, every fear, worry, and doubt, all those things are answered one way or another in the Word of God. But if you don't have those words treasured inside of you, if they're not written in your heart, then when life starts banging on your door like the big bag wolf to blow you down, knock, knock, knock. Who's there? It's the big bag wolf. I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff and I'm going to blow your house in. And if you don't have the word of God stored deep down inside of you, when that huffing and puffing starts, your house is going to blow in. So let me ask you three questions today. Number one, what are you treasuring in your heart? Because here's the truth. We all treasure things. You can treasure relationships. You can treasure money. You can treasure, you can even treasure things that aren't right. You can treasure fears. You can take all kinds of things and store them deep down inside of you and help them make who you are. But I want to ask you today, what are you treasuring in your heart? What are you storing up in your heart? What are you hoarding? What are you out there digging a hole and burying deep inside of you so that you can always have it there ready to go? What are you treasuring? Here's the second question I want to ask you. Where are you keeping God's word? The psalm said, your word I've hidden my heart. But I want to ask you today, where are you keeping God's word? Are you putting it in your heart? Are you, are you letting it find its way deep down inside of you? When you read the word of God, do you just read it to breeze through a chapter? you be like, I got to read. I'm doing the Bible in a year, so I got to bust my way through this. And I'm six days behind, so I just got to go as fast as I can and get these chapters done. Or do you sit there and let the word of God make its way into your spirit and deep down inside of you? Listen, I don't know where it came from, and maybe, maybe this is just me. But when I was growing up, I felt like I had to read like a chapter a day, and I just read through it as fast as I could. I had like this rule, like this, I had to like mark this checkbox, like I'd read my Bible today. Done, done, done. But somewhere along the line, I realized it was much more important, whether it was a verse or 17 chapters, it was much more important to let the Spirit of God speak to me from whatever I was reading so that it got deep down inside of me and met me where I was at and gave me life. And I had to store that. I had to treasure it in my heart, not my head, not this thing, because this thing will take your thoughts and turn, twist and turn them all around and, and outthink them from you and do all kinds of things. You want to get it deep down inside your heart at the very center of who you are. Here's the last question I want to ask you. You can stand up with me. 
I want to ask you why. What's your hope for the word you receive? The psalmist said, I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that word sin in the Hebrew means to literally miss the mark. That's what it's talking about. He says, I'm putting your word deep down inside of me so that I might not miss the mark. So I might not sin and mess up. Why are you storing God's word in your heart? One of the greatest reasons to store God's word in your heart, besides not missing the mark. Beyond that, I would say, is to understand who God is. To understand his love for you. To understand who he's created you to be and what he's asked and ordained you to walk in. But if you're not reading the Bible, you're not going to know those things. You're not going to know what the word says. You're not going to know what God is trying to say to you. You're not going to know what God is trying to do through you because you don't have that foundation. I don't care if you are seven years old or you're 75 years old. God desires relationship with each and every one of us. Man, you can go back to Genesis when God created man and woman, put them in the garden, he put, put Adam there and he said, it's not good for man to be alone, so I gotta give him a woman to be with him. And then when, when they were created, the Bible says that God would come in the cool of the day and walk with them. Because God is a God of relationship and community. He wants to know you and he wants to be known by you. He wants you to know what the word says about you and what the word says for you. And that requires you cracking open the Bible and reading it. All of it. And letting him speak to you through that. What are you treasuring in your heart? Where are you putting God's word? Do you just let it bounce off your forehead? Or do you allow it to go deep into the soil of your heart? And why are you storing it up? Are you storing it up so that you can just like cross, cross off your tasks for the day and make sure you haven't done something wrong? Or are you storing it up and are you treasuring that word? Are you allowing it to go deep in your life so that you can have a relationship with God, so that you can know who he is and so that you can know who you are? I would hope, it is my desire that you read the word of God and let it go deep down inside of you and let him form his character in you. Let him guide you through circumstances and situations. When you find yourself beyond yourself, you will find that God is always there saying, let me take your hand and let me guide you and lead you through this. Amen. Why don't you close your eyes? We're going to pray together. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. 
And Doe, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.